Hello and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. If you enjoy today's episode, please check me out at narctroopers.com where you're going to find over 200 scholarly articles and um, about the subject of recovery from relationships with cluster B disordered people and you're going to find a podcast channel like this with over 200 episodes and even a YouTube video vlog and a bunch of other stuff so it's your go-to location um, most of it's all just free to watch and read and uh, if you do want a one-on-one with me uh, that's the only thing that I do for a small highly reduced fee so that I can be a resource for everyone and make it really super affordable um, and that one piece is the only thing that I do and that just really covers my cost of operations to keep my website and to uh, keep things going spreading the word about narcissism so there was a song that came out um, in the uh, early 2000s kind of close to the time that I met my ex-husband who was um, the narcissist that I was married to for um, 15 years in a relationship with for 16 years Um, and that song was um, I would follow you into the dark Uh, you should check that out online that song Um, great song I will follow you into the dark you know but that's the title the topic of today's episode and I just want to say that um, you know uh, for the narcissist um, you know they're not gonna do that and um, they're not gonna follow you anywhere once you become inconvenient um, then you're toast so um, so some of the lyrics of that song it says uh, love of mine someday you will die but I'll be close behind I'll follow you into the dark no blinding light or tunnels to gates of white just our uh, hands clasped so tight waiting for the the hint of a spark heaven and hell decide that they both are justified um, and uh, illuminate both um, both the numbers on their vacancy sign but if there's no one beside you when your soul departs then I will follow you into the dark that's death cab for cutie yeah death cab for cutie so recently as I was sitting in the retina um, specialist waiting room uh, awaiting the the newest verdict on my well my my vision to see how well my vision is holding up uh, I have Stargardt um, retinal disease it's a genetic hereditary disorder 
um, you know, and I'm not thinking about that. I'm I'm thinking about uh, my husband with NPD, wondering what he's going to think about it. So instead of thinking, hmm, I'm, you know, possibly, probably in some ways going blind, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking, I wonder how he's going to take this, which is, you know, pretty, um, pretty much standard behavior of someone who's in these relationships. You're always thinking about them and how they're going to react to something or what they're going to do in response to something instead of worrying what you about what you should be worrying about, which is yourself. So, um, you know, I've been told that it's good to feel your feelings and to allow them to just sort of flow through you instead of uh, trying to repress them or deny them. You know, so when these times come, you know, I, I try to just lie down on the wave of whatever it is, this wave of bad news or whatever, and body surf my way to shore. That's what I try to do. Just go with the flow. You know, I remember how much I, I loved it when I would enter a dark movie theater <laughs> and I would, it would just be so dark. I, you know, part of my, um, eye diseases. I have night blindness. I can't see anything in the dark. And he would reach for my hand. And, you know, it was a lifesaver. It was so comforting, such a relief to know that I could hold on to him and that I could be okay and be safe. In the end, after 16 long years with him, he said, I'm tired of taking care of you and always, you know, needing to be your eyes. I don't want to take care of you anymore. That's what he said on the day he left, unexpectedly out of the blue. So I wonder sometimes, what if things were flipped? What if it was him who suffered a genetic eye disease that would someday make him too blind to drive or to see all the beauty of the world? You know, he's an artist. So how could he do his art without his vision? And I'm a writer and a teacher. And so, you know, it's going to be hard for me to, to continue with, with my work at some point with my low vision. Uh, there's challenges all over the place. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> we need eyes. And sure, there's accommodations that can be made to keep things going. But, um, you know, even with all that, um, you know, as creatives, we both need to have some vision. So I know, I know that it would have broken my heart to watch if the lights had faded for him. What would have been my response to the news that 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 was happening to him if it were flipped flipped and it was my husband who had had some health condition like that that was um, increasing and limiting him in these different ways well I thought about that and I think that I would have um, you know I would take him to see all the most beautiful places in the world and show them to him while he still had enough 
vision to see them. I would, you know, hold that hand of his and and together we would witness the most glorious things, colorful, amazing beauty, perfect sunsets over over the Pacific, you know, ice caverns in uh, that place in Iceland that everybody's going now, the wildlife, you know, in the Galapagos, maybe Machu Picchu in Peru and um, the Cinque coast in Italy on the Mediterranean and the twinkling amber lights in the sidewalk cafes of Paris and Florence and and I would want to give him all of that and more while he could still see and enjoy it and try to capture those pictures in his mind's eye so that he would have that as his vision faded. I would want to experience that with him and provide that for him. I would want him to have that even without me. I would want him to just go have that to, you know, I would, I would think of all the ways that I could to fill his world with color and images and brilliance. Now, I think I would, I would prepare a beautiful meal for him, you know, bursting with color, bright red cherries and pomegranate seeds, deep orange squash and verdant green leafy things, bright yellow lemons like the sun, and beautiful perfect desserts decorated with the most intricate detail and simple pure beauty presented on a plate, you know, with all these colors and you know, it would just be like seashells and sunsets on a plate for him to eat, you know. And, and in addition to all that, we would go to endless art galleries and museums of the world and, you know, ones that we had never visited yet. We would linger in our favorite museums like the Louvre and we would see everything and just soak it in, drink it in and then go see more. We would find a way to see the last da Vinci that was last on his list, even though I think it's in Russia. We would look at all the most beautiful paintings and architecture and churches, and we would go back to St. Chapelle in Paris to see the beautiful stained glass that just goes from the ceiling to the floor all around you in this church. We would go there one last time. And that was the beauty and the thing I'm so grateful for is that during our marriage we were both teachers and we had summers off and we traveled extensively. I thought we had built a great life together. You know, we had a home that we had purchased and we had rehabbed it and worked so hard to make it fit all of our needs and we we made it green and put solar panels on it and the whole thing, you know, we had a charger and the garage to charge the electric car we had all that we had all these trips all over the world you know we went to all those places in in Europe and all over the United States we um, went out to eat in a great restaurant on the weekends and you know we just we had a great life and for the most people um, I think that that would have been enough but of course a person with NPD can never, ever 
just be satisfied with that at some point they're going to need to discard you to individuate after parentifying you and actually y'all doing that both to each other you know that there's just this cycle that happens and and just being happy with having a beautiful life and a beautiful home and great jobs and you know all of that is is just not enough we could have been billionaires and gone to the moon and that would not have been good enough and um so anyway if he were going blind that's what i would do for him you know we would lay in bed and gaze through the open windows at the eiffel tower as it twinkled in the night and we would try to burn that image into his permanent brain so that you know when he when when that he could summon it when the dark days came and he couldn't see anymore we you know we would memorize every inch of each other's bodies and rejoice in knowing that we would not need eyes to feel touch and to feel all the powerful sensations magnified in the dark he wouldn't have to be afraid because I would be right there with him to touch him to hold him to comfort him you know when the eyes don't work other parts of the body compensate and amplify to make up for it so I would have done all that for him and I would have reassured him that it wouldn't be the end of the world you know um, and I would fill his life with all, as much of those other colorful things and images as I could until the day came where he couldn't see you know I would help him learn how to become a low vision uh, person to help him maybe if he got a seeing eye dog or sit beside him and learn Braille or new accessibility tech you know I do it with him kind of like the partner of a deaf person learns to um, you know learns to speak um, with their hands right um, I would do all of that and um, you know I really would do all those things and I would do it bravely and willingly because my heart would hurt for his loss and I would I would want his life to remain as full and satisfying as it was before that he he lost his vision but you know we would go to the grocery store and practice touching everything to help him when he can't when he needs that skill for future grocery shopping after he can't see you know maybe we could both blindfold ourselves and and walk around the house with um, you know learning where everything is that way and like simple little things like how does one trim your toenails if you're blind how do you put eyeliner on for makeup well that wouldn't be his problem that's something I worried about but um, you know we would problem-solve all of those things and um, you know and, and then we would we would just practice and have questions and curiosities and all of these heartfelt efforts to keep the connection strong and I would just want to support him every way that I could you know all of the things that I could do and cram into the time that he had left the weeks the months maybe a couple of years while he still had enough vision to see beautiful artwork and sculptures and tides coming in with the pastel skies that turned to crimson and orange and purple and 
at sunset where it's the color of fire and the sky, you know, with the flowers and the birds and the stars and all of it, you know, I would want that for him. We would savor every moment as if it was the last time we were ever going to see it. And I would do it gladly with love, with commitment and devotion and compassion. And most of all, with empathy, I would want to give him that gift to hold in his mind's eye when his eye could no longer see them anymore. And, um, you know, it would give me great satisfaction to be able to do that for him. And through it all, I would be right there letting him know that I would always have that guiding hand there for him, this unconditional love. I would be that sanctuary in the storm, protection, his halcyon. Losing his vision would not diminish his worth in my eyes or change who he was or what I loved about him. But you know, this is all just silly that I'm thinking about what I would have done for him. He could not do that for me. And as time passed and years went by, he began to turn away when I stumbled over things or when I had to reach for him as we navigated through crowds at concerts and through these countries all over the world. You know, his heart did not feel for my loss. He did not feel the love and compassion and empathy that would compel him to want to shelter me, to take care of me and to provide me with the best life that he could under the circumstances. Devotion to one's wife would seem to motivate those feelings and those actions, but they were absent in him. He could just coldly turn away, leaving me stranded in the darkest of places and walk towards something carefree and exciting without ever giving me a second thought. He could abandon me and erase me, erase me, delete me with no feelings of remorse or accountability. And he did. That's exactly what he did. So there I sat in the retina specialist waiting room, waiting to hear the verdict about how much longer I should be able to drive. And, you know, before I have to start depending on the kindness of strangers to get where I want to go or spend an incredible amount of money on Ubers or, or deal with public transportation during a time of COVID and other kinds of illnesses and stuff, you know, um, how am I going to get to the beach? I will always be able to enjoy the sensory experience that happens near the waves to hear them crash and the seagulls cry and all of that, you know, the white foam tickling my toes and the wind, you know, in my hair, the sand beneath my feet, cold and wet, and, you know, it's, it's a hazy blue veil that meets the land. I can probably always at least make that out, that much of it. I have more time, but it's uncertain. I have a very narrow line of central vision still left, and the doctor told me that things will 
like a good diet and lots of sleep and rest and low stress and exercise and lots of water and healthy living and all that yada 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 could prolong the disease damage and stave off further loss of vision that's a tall order for someone with trauma induced PTSD insomnia and some wicked panic attacks and anxiety following this discard that happened over three years ago of course I'm greatly improved over these past three years but but that last 10 20 percent of the journey towards just letting them go and letting yourself be whole and just accepting it all you know that last stretch is for lack of better words it's a bitch it's funny how when I got the news that I had Stargardt disease and what that meant that my primary thought was that I didn't know how to tell him I sat in my car outside the doctor's office this was about seven years ago and I just wept I cried for my eyes that will invariably continue to get worse but I but I mostly cried for him because I didn't want to be a burden I didn't want to slow him down I didn't want to compromise our beautiful lifestyle I I didn't want to hold him back I didn't want him to love me less because I was unable to see as well as other people looking back on that it's ironic that he never really loved me at all so I was being quite silly worrying about losing any of it uh, he was just role-playing and and it was just fiction and it was just a beautiful magical fantasy bubble that he had constructed that he created for a little while like so much of his art in the end he ruined it he self-sabotaged it and destroyed it and he ended up with nothing I don't know what he why you know I don't know that I didn't know that that was gonna happen to me what he that he was gonna do this so anyway here here's the moral to the story the cautionary tale that I want to share it goes like this if you fall in love with the wrong person who has a cluster B personality disorder and if you step into that fantasy and believe that you have found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow all I can tell you is that in the end you will have nothing and you will be alone and if you get sick or suffer any disability you will have to do it alone they will not want to be any part of that they will leave you um, when you need them the most none of us know how long we will be able-bodied or even alive for that matter each day could be our last my vision could hang on for another 10 years or longer until after my body has surrendered for other reasons that you know take me out of the game I could outlive and outlast my husband who believed that I was of no use to him any longer we could all perish next week or next month these are uncertain times and getting crazier every day so we can't love someone just when it's convenient or easy or fate is smiling upon you both and a person with narcissistic personality disorder cannot love you at all 
It can look like love, feel like it, and it can seem so very real, but it's not. So be careful. You know you saw those red flags. I saw them too. Don't ignore them. Don't be stubborn or arrogant or so starstruck with so many stars in your eyes that you're blinded by them. I guess I was blind all those years. So it's only fitting that I end up actually being blind in, in real time. I wanted to believe it was real so very badly. I had never had what he offered me. He was everything I ever wanted, all wrapped up in one pretty box with ribbons and bows and sparklers and confetti. I have never had a husband or a person in my life who seemed to be so perfect. So when all those red flags went up and it happened pretty quick, there were so very many. But you know what? No matter how big they were, no matter how impossible it was not to see them, I refused to acknowledge them. And I bet you did too. Please don't do that. They even try to tell you themselves in the beginning. You know, they, they warn you. They, they let you know that you are dealing with something dangerous and you know, it's just so hard to believe that what they're saying could be true and that it could be that cold-hearted. The price for ignoring these warnings are way too high. Don't be as blind as me. My refusal to see the signs caused me to lose everything that ever mattered to me. You know the gut feeling that you are in the dangerous waters and hostile territory, but it's so seductive. And you are so thirsty and hungry for love. Take back your power and resist. There will come a time when it will be too late to save yourself or any, anyone else for that matter. Don't let that happen to you. Don't waste years and even decades of your life to get nothing in return. When the lights go out, I will be alone, and no one will take my hand. No one will follow me into the dark. Don't let that happen to you. Okay, thanks for listening. Narc Troopers, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. You know I'm going to change that. Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Citizens. We are citizens of our own tribal um, group, and that group is one that is, um, you know, we have a common bond, don't we? <laughs> ah, so let's uh, hang on there, keep going, and, uh, you know, do the right thing, even if it is really hard. You'll be glad you did later. Okay, much love. Bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.